Hey everybody, Jimmy Warren. Welcome to a special episode of Guitar Talk. I know it seems like we've had a lot of special episodes, but we have because we're leading up to the Jimmy Warren and Friends All-Star Jam this Saturday, Saturday, January 28th at the Looney Bin in Bradley, Illinois, and the Illinois Guitar and Gear Expo, which takes place Sunday at the Kankakee County Fairgrounds in Kankakee, Illinois, that Sunday, January 29th, starts at 11. Oh, man. You know, and my guest today is one of the people who's going to be at the All-Star Jam, and he's also going to be at the Illinois Guitar and Gear Expo, meeting people, signing autographs, kissing babies, doing all that good stuff that he should be doing and his name is Austin Moe. Now, I'll tell you what, this young man is a great guitar player. He's an up-and-comer, and, -comer, and uh, he's coming all the way from Sacramento, California, to be a part of the show here just outside of Chicago. And so I had an opportunity to sit down with this young guy and talk about what's going on in his world, his music. You know, I, I got to tell you how I met him. In that, and uh, in case you don't know, I, you know, I get hundreds of emails and messages every single week from people from all over the world uh, asking all kinds of questions, trying to get me to listen to their demos, listen to their music, all that kind of stuff. And this guy just happens to be no different than some of those, man. I was sitting at my computer, I was working, and all of a sudden, bam, I get a message on social media. And it asked me if I would take a listen to his music. I didn't know the guy, and I listened to the music, and I was blown away. Come to find out, he's worked with Frank Hannon from Tesla. He's done some jamming with some great people like my friend Jared James Nichols and others. And so I just had to say, dang, we need to get together. And so I went ahead and I recorded an episode for Guitar Talk. And then we worked it out so that he could come to the the all-star jam this weekend and the guitar show so i am proud to introduce to you a, a, a guy that i think is uh you know an up-and-comer in the the rock guitar world blues rock guitar wherever you want to pile him and his name is austin mo and i think you're really going to enjoy this so do yourself a favor sit down get a nice cool beverage and enjoy this conversation with my new friend austin mo How you doing? Good. How are you? Yeah, I'm. I'm good. Right I'm on. I'm digging the guitars, man. Oh, it's a music store here, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> I'm on. I'm down to sixty three. Oh, I sold, that's it. I sold a few. I you know which I never thought I would do, but mm. yeah. Well, it's the it's the uh, curse of the guitar player. Oh yeah, I think I'm up to. I think I'm almost back up to fifteen or twenty wow. around there. Yeah, see, and you're a young guy. Just imagine what it's going to be like when you're my age. Yeah, <laughs> spend <laughs> an entire life doing this, man. You you can't help but end up with a bunch. Oh no, you know. So so uh, you know, I got to tell you, man. It, it's really unusual that somebody reaches out to me and I even answer like, you know, as you just happen to catch me sitting at my desk, which is really odd that <laughs> I would, I would respond in that, but I'm glad I did because you sent me, you know, some of your music that you're going to have, that's going to come out this year or next year. Right. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I really liked it. I really enjoyed it a lot. And so, uh, you know, I was kind of compelled to, to reach back out to you. So I'm glad you're here. And I'm glad that you're going to be a part of uh, my all-star jam in January. With oh, It's an honor. Thank you for the invite. Yeah. There's going to be some great musicians in the house that night. I'm telling you. Wow. In that. But I think, are you going to participate in the guitar show the next day? Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, cool. 100%. Cool, cool, cool. You can come hang out with Jared and, and all of us. It'll, it'll be a good time. So, okay, so let's let's go back and let's talk about the history of Austin Mo. Okay. All right. And now I know it's not long because you're a young cat. So, yeah. uh, so it's not a, a long history, but, you know, um, I'm wondering, did you have people in your family that were just absolute music lovers? Or are you an anomaly? So in my family tree, the musician bug gets skipped about every generation or so. Yeah. So on my dad's side, his brother was a great musician. He was actually a world touring Beatles artist when he was my age, mm. back in, you know, early 80s or so, I think. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so they would go across the pond and they would tour a bunch. And sadly, he had some demons that he couldn't fight off. And so he unfortunately passed on before I was really starting to get into music. Yeah. And then on my mother's side, my grandpa's brother played like mandolin and banjo and guitar. So and we have some famous opera singers throughout the, the bloodline. And my dad and my mom raised me on country from my mom's side like merle haggard and junior brown and johnny cash and my dad raised me on do and acdc and kiss <laughs> so it's a lot of i would say the real music that i was exposed to but yeah. what really got me into wanting to pursue being an artist and and all that was this little toy video game called guitar hero hmm. and specifically the third one that came out as soon as that came out with slash and it just looked it you know myself and i'm sure thousands of other kids just looked and went yeah i could do that yeah and so i got way too good i could make a sandwich while playing the game without looking at the tv and not miss a note and so my dad's watching me you know kind of teach myself these songs but on five plastic buttons and so he reached out to his buddy and his friend now he owns it again uh it's a originally a 1969 gibson flying v with it's kind of a mutt we took it to our buddy who's worked with gibson for over 40 years because we couldn't understand there was some weird like it had a volute, which back in the late 60s, it wasn't common for something like that to happen. Mm -hmm. And we opened it up and the guts were from 1973. So what we concluded was that back in the late 60s, early 70s, the body and the neck got snapped in half. And what you would do back then, according to my friend, is you would send it out back to Gibson. You would say, hey, please, if I want, you know, I want jumbo frets. I want the neck thinner, blah, 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 blah. And then just hot rod it out with whatever you got. So that's pretty much what happened to it. 
-hmm. and I was only supposed to learn on that guitar for like a month and a half and I had it for 12 years and so <laughs> last year I finally had to give it back to the guy and oh that was painful that, that was that was my first actual guitar and he was yeah. like dude I've owned it 22 years and you've owned it 12 out of those 22. And I was like, well, okay, so what are you saying? Do I like need to buy it from you or <laughs> but it was really he was yeah. he was really great. He took it one time and and uh my brother bought me a Les Paul for Christmas and I I was still crying because the guy came over that day and he was like, I was like, Hey, Merry Christmas, blah blah blah. What are you here for? He's like, I'm here to take my guitar back. And yeah. I was like, No, I was like 13 or 14. Yeah. And uh so yeah, I've had a very very blessed beginning in my music. I was mentored by Ike Turner's first daughter, Twana Turner, and she taught me how to really sing and how to not use my throat as my source of projection and use my diaphragm and my gut to try and push everything out. So that way I could still sing when I'm, you know, 35. <laughs> right. Right. And so it's been a blessing. That's really cool. That's really cool. So uh, evidently from you, you, one thing you got to do is you got to reach out to that guy with the guitar and you just got to say, Hey, you know, when the time comes and you're no longer here, do me a favor, just make sure it comes back to me. Oh, we ran into him at Walmart uh, <laughs> very shortly after I gave it back to him the last time in uh, 2021. And we we're like, Hey, how's it going? And he was acting a little weird. And I was like, so how's, how's the guitar going? You know, I, I, uh, you know what what's going on what do, you, what do you learn on it he's like oh i haven't touched it in like four months since you gave it to me and i'm like are you telling me ah. you guilt tripped me all this time to yeah. give it back to you and then you're just letting it sit he's like yeah. yeah and i'm like well can you can you do me a favor he's like what's that i'm like can you at least put me in your will to receive it he's like no i'm gonna <laughs> give it to my son and, I, and his son was right there i was like hey dude do you ever want to learn the guitar he's like no <laughs> I was like, well, when your dad dies, I'm going to buy that guitar off you. Is that cool? He's like, yeah, I don't care. <laughs> but it, it, it's my dad's wow. best friend, so we can talk to each other like that. It wasn't like, you know, right, right. Or anything. right. I got it. I got it. So you grabbed since you had a, a V in the beginning, <clears throat> you know, uh, you've kind of gravitated towards that. I, I've noticed that a lot of times, even in your logo, you got a V, mm -hmm. you know, that's your your guitar choice. I'm I'm guessing. Oh, yeah. 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 Now, uh, is there, what is it, a, what is it about the V though? I mean, really, I mean, I love a V, you know, you can see, I got one back there. I've got four or five of them myself mm -hmm. in that. I love a V in that, but what is it about the V that, you know, resonates with you? Well, I think part of it has to do with, it was the very first guitar that I ever picked up, Yeah, but I'm a very tall guy i'm six foot three and i have been since i was like 16 or 15 whenever i started playing and so naturally you know that that just felt comfortable to me because i have giant legs to be able to arch the v in between yeah. and um so it's it always felt like home and with other people they're like oh dude i hate a v you know i'm i'm only like five seven and i'm like so that doesn't matter they're like nah, yeah. it's just too big and I think that that has a lot to do, at least for me, 
mm-hmm. me uh, being so tall, and that it was the very first guitar I ever picked up. I hadn't even thought of anything else, and my dad just brought it home as a surprise. Mm-hmm. And the minute that I picked it up, I never put it back down. Yeah, Plus I'm the curious. Tone. I, well, I'm curious because you're so young. That uh, do you have any, you know, particulars when it comes to your guitars? In other words, are there certain pickups? that you, you know, that you have to have or that you like better than others or use more than others? Not yet. Well, it's getting there because at a local music store, there was a Les Paul copy. It was an Ibanez. And Mm. I was hanging out with my family. I was picking up some strings. And um, my mom was like, hey, why don't you just go pick up that guitar? I was mm-hmm. like, that's Ibanez. And for me, mm-hmm. my experience with Ibanez, I know they make killer guitars, like professional mm-hmm. grade, just I I just can't use a Floyd Rose for the life of me. So mm-hmm. I've I've never gradually like, oh, I want this because all they have at Guitar Center is Steve Vai stuff. And it's all just to the nines, custom to him, which is great for a lot of people. But in my head, when I was growing up, a lot of my buddies had Ibanez and like a really just cheap like line six spider so the tone was never great and so that's immediately where my head went and she was like no you never know just just pick it up it you could like it and the minute i picked it up it was it was and is the best sounding guitar that i have it's a Mm -hmm. 1976 ibanez super 70s like gibson les paul kind of copy yeah and the pickups in that and the tone and the wood i don't know what it is the combination of the three but it just sounds incredible and so i bought another pair of those pickups and i actually put it in the flying v that you're using in your poster mm-hmm. so it's all gold hardware now and it's getting closer to the sound that i want but i'm starting to experiment with what pickups make what sound and what i'm trying to accomplish in my head yeah yeah well i can tell you right now that those uh those ibanezes that you're talking about from the 70s like you have those are flat out amazing guitars it doesn't matter if you get the v the explorer or what other body style you get from the 70s when it comes to ibanez those are killer now i'm gonna tell you a story i've always been you know uh a strat and telly guy always Mm -hmm. been even though i have a lot of other guitars and I've always been either a Fender or a boutique, you know, uh, I've had, a, I got a lot of boutique build guitars. And so I got the itch because I'm a huge fan of like Martin Miller and Tom Quayle and guys like that. Yeah. And, and I know all those people, you know, uh, Lori, uh, Lori Basilio and, you know, all those players, you know, from, from that world are all Ibanez people. Mm-hmm. And so I got it in my head, you know, I said, you know what, I'm going to order one of their Japanese made prestige guitars and i'm gonna tell you man i got that guitar and it is far superior to any other guitar that i've ever owned i mean it was like it's like butter to play i mean it's it's i mean everything about that guitar is top of the line and i mean it's only and it's only a 20 what twenty seven hundred dollar guitar that's not too bad no, 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 no. Because, you know, if you were to buy that same guitar from, you know, Sir or somebody like that, you know, you're going to pay, you know, double that, you know, for oh, that easy. same guitar. 
but it's a great guitar. And so then I was like, damn, I think I'm going to reach out to Ibanez. And I think I'm just going to play Ibanez because I absolutely love this guitar. And I reached out and I, I ended up buying a, uh, a John Scofield. It wasn't the John Scofield model. It's the 335, you know, some hollow body type style Ibanez, but it's a prestige also made in Japan, dude. That guitar is so badass. (laughs) You know what I mean? They're really, really, they're really primo guitars. And I've always, and I hate Floyd Rose too. You know, that's why I don't play any of the EVH guitars that I have or some of the Charvels that I have because of that. Yeah. But, uh, but Ibanez makes damn good guitars and you get some of those vintage because I've got a couple of the vintage Ibanez's and Mm -hmm. They're they're amazing, man. Now a pickup you might want to check out. A good friend of mine in uh, on the East Coast has uh, a company, and they're called Zex Coils. Here, I've I'm, heard of them. I'm going to step away for a second. I'm going to pull one up. I'm going to show it to you because I'm going to tell you what's cool about it. Since okay. we're in this, in this world, this is the guitar, mm-hmm. right? Now the these two pickups, the bridge and the and the neck pick, pickups are Zex coils. They're yeah. called pry buckers, and as you can see, there's toggle switches for each pickup. Mm-hmm. What's really unique about these pickups is that the tri buckers, and using the toggle switch, you switch between a single coil style, a P90 style, and a PAF style. Really. Yeah. And, and see, the thing is, is like, you know, you get a pickup and the pickups are wound this way, right? Around, around these are wound on an individual pole for each string. Wow. The clarity is like, I mean, I mean, it's super clear. There's no noise and the tonal options for this is just flat out amazing. Now I personally keep it in the the P90 style setting because I just really love that, you know, that warm P90. But I'm just saying that those pickups, you know, Zex coil pickups might be something you want to look into because they they'll sound killer on that friggin' V, man. Oh <laughs> yeah. I mean you know? the the original flying V that's so I have a music video out and it's it's called the river. I mm-hmm. think I have two out, but that that black and white V has a modified late 80s DiMarzio super distortion in it. Yeah. And it has the toggle switch to try and make it like a single coil S. Yeah. Right. But when I showed it to Joe Bonamassa when I met him in 2016, mm. he was he was watching me through the line because I was the only one that brought a flying V and he could tell that it was old. And he goes, hey kid. <laughs> and, and he grabs he Puts up both of his hands. I can't do that right now because I'm holding my microphone. But uh, he goes, give me the guitar. Let me see this. He goes, it's a late 70s because you have the volute. He goes, these aren't original. This pickup's not original. These three screws are not original. Where's the case? I said, the case is over there with the rest. He goes, go get the case. Is it purple inside? I said, yep. He's like, okay, bring it over. And then so <laughs> he, he noticed that switch. And he goes, what's up with the switch? And I said, well, you know, blah, 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 blah. It's not original, and um, it's my dad's friends. He put a switch in there. I don't know what it does. It really doesn't do anything. And he's like, oh, well, it's probably this. And then he explained it to me, and he's like, you know, 
a lot of people they did that and I don't understand why, but um yeah, go get your case. So I, I went and I grabbed the case and I'm sorry if you can hear that. That's uh somebody's trying to get in contact with me. <laughs> um so we had to put a sock in one of the legs where the, the V would sit because we had a staple poking out of the case and scratching the, the finish off. And so he, he grabs the case and he goes, why is there a sock in here? And we were like, <laughs> well, take a look. And he's like, you know, you could just pull that out, right? And I'm like, well, it's not mine. He's like, well, yeah, but you're doing the guy a favor. If <laughs> Just protect his guitar. I'm like, the sock's easier yeah that's funny that's funny well you know he's definitely a guy that knows guitars you know vintage guitars quite oh, a bit yeah. i mean he's he's uh an amazing you know historian when it comes to that stuff i mean mm -hmm. you know I, I he was he was raised on that but uh that's cool it's 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 a wonder that he didn't try to buy it from you oh i think it was so heavily modified in his mind yeah that he, yeah. he didn't want it but yeah. I asked him to sign it because I asked my dad's friend permission. And uh, I think it was like my 16th birthday. He's like, yeah, sure. You can do whatever you want. Just, you know, if he does sign it, make sure it's in a spot to where you're not going to rub it off. Maybe do it on the back of the headstock. And I was like, okay. So we walk up and I brought a cheapo strat with me just in case he said no. Yeah. So after he's telling me all this and all that, and you know, this is an original, all this, I was like, okay, well, here, can you sign it? He goes, no. I was like, why not? He's like, I'm going to depreciate the guitar to nothing if I sign right. this. Right. He's like, you have another one, right? I'm like, well, I have this. And he's like, give me that. I'll, I'll yeah, this is $100. I'll sign this all day long. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, that's a mistake a lot of people make because they don't realize, you know, you take a guitar like that. And uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. You know, if it was, you know, Mary Ford's signature or, Oh, you know, yeah. or something like that. Or it would Paul be, or something. It would be completely different. But uh, I've got a guitar and an album on my wall signed by Joe in that. And, you know, stuff like that. I mean, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't really, there's not a, a ton of value. Now, when Joe's old, yeah, Joe's gone. That's a different story. <laughs> then it's a different story. But uh, so, uh, so what kind of, I'm guessing that you're a Marshall guy. A Marshall? Yeah. Are you a Marshall guy? Well, so I I haven't bought a Marshall, but I've played through a handful of them. And right now I have a PRS MT-15 okay. that I'm using as a pedal platform. And I have the little tiny Helix, the HX Stomp. Yeah. And I'm using their Klon clone pedal as my main overdrive. Right. And I have another thing that's in there that's stacked on top of it yeah it, kind of a marshally vendor right. like a like a sweet spot you know right because it's not too often you find a guy that's in the in the v's and he doesn't have a marshall yeah know? i mean they just they go together man it's like you know it's like a burger and fries or steak and mashed potatoes or something oh yeah yeah i'm 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 doing my best to sty away from music stores right now because there's um when i played with jared james in shoot when was that like five months ago or something during the summer his amp was the exact sound that i was trying to get out of mine and i asked him because he has he has like a legit clon and all this stuff on his pedal board 
Yeah. I was like, dude, what it, what's what is it with your amp? What are you doing? What pedals are you using? And he's like, oh, I just use my amp. I'm like, what do you mean you just use your amp? It sounds that good out of the box. He's like, yeah. Yeah. And my music store, the other local one, has one. And I'm like, oh, God. Yeah. I can't plug into it or else I'm going to need it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, uh, Jared was really one of the, the people, him and Pat Travers were really one of the people that turned me on to checking out black star because you know you you don't know you know what i mean oh yeah New company comes you know you just don't know and although uh you know i've got i've got some fenders and some marshalls and vox and that i really lean heavily personally towards more of the boutique type amps mm-hmm. you know the like a dumble or something two rock fuchs okay you know, really the one i want and uh you know hopefully this year i'm gonna get one is the meza barbara Man, are you I, familiar? With, are you familiar with Eric Steckel? Yep. Uh huh. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah, he uses Meza Barbara, and yeah, that's uh, yeah, a great, great amp. They're made in Italy, and that. But yeah, uh, you, you go down these man, you can go down these rabbit holes. I've got probably close to, if I had to take a guess, 250, 300 different overdrive pedals. Wow. You know, and uh, I'm the kind of guy when I got on a kick, when I got on a dumbbell kick, because I got on one like everybody else does, I'm, I would never, even if I had the money, I would never pay $100,000 for an amp and oh. keep it. You can keep no. it. Uh-uh. I don't care what it is, who owned it, you can keep it. But I, what I did do is I went out and I bought about 40 pedals, maybe 35 pedals that were all dumbbell style you know overdrives and just sat around for days just you know playing through each one and pairing them up because i love to stack overdrives too Mm -hmm. that so you can go down these rabbit holes but i think you know there's guys that don't do that there's guys that find their sound i got my guitar i got my amp this is it that don't ever do that i think it's always beneficial oh yeah and eric's got that nailed i actually so i came across him by accident because I was hanging out with the Hendrix family during Nam, and they were doing a little jam. And usually I'm I'm invited up uh, on the stage, but Eric showed up, and um, I'd never met him before or even heard of him. So this kid, well, kid to me, I didn't know. He looks very young, yeah. his age. So he walks up on stage, and just absolutely kills it. Like <laughs> I've never seen fingers move that fast ever even on the internet like and like mouse scene is fast but eric is just next level just and it's clean and perfect and so i ran into him the next day at nam and i was like hey weren't you jamming with blah 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 last night he was like yeah and i think this is the first time in a while that like somebody walked up to him who didn't know anything about him and i was doing my best to be like polite and i was like so do you like are, are what do you do like who are you and he's like oh my name's eric and i'm like oh hey eric my name's austin like i'm gonna go home and practice for like ever and not come out until i can almost <laughs> play your speed. he's like no dude it's not about the speed like you know we all have our own voices and yeah and you know this is just how i play and i'm like well dang dude do you have a guitar like you have to be endorsed by somebody and he's looking at me like you really don't know who I am. Like, I know that's what he's thinking. Yeah. But he was super polite. And he's like, oh, yeah, just go down, 
go down three lanes and then take a right and then you'll see my guitar in the booth he's like try it out and maybe you know maybe you'll like it tell them i sent you and they'll they'll really you know give you the star treatment and uh then i went home and found him and started looking into what he's done and i was like oh my gosh i feel so embarrassed because i totally i had no idea yeah yeah he's a great player He's a great player, you know, and uh, nag guitars are amazing guitars. Mm-hmm. Pricey as hell, you know, I mean, five, six, seven thousand yeah. dollars for a guitar, but they're absolutely good. They're pieces of art, in my opinion. Between that and that Meza Barbara that he's using, man, you, you can't go. You can't go wrong. He's got a great sound and style. Yeah. You know, that, that's that's funny, though. That story is funny because it just it just it just lets you know you always think that everybody knows who you are or who somebody oh, yeah. is. And, and the truth is, is that, you know, that's so far from the truth because I get people that have no friggin' clue who I am. And then all of a sudden out of the blue, you know, I'll get 20 emails from Denmark, you know, mm-hmm. he, somebody's paying close attention to everything I'm doing. So, you know, just because you're, you know, Eric Steckel or whoever you are, you know, it, oh, it's, yeah. it's that way for everybody. You know, it's it's that way for every maybe not Eddie Van Halen, but uh yeah. you got a long way to go, man. You got a you got a long way to go. And so so what's the plan for for you? Uh I know you got some songs. Are you gonna release them in an EP? Are you gonna finish an album? Are you gonna do singles? So uh I do have more recorded than I had sent you. I, I when I reached out to you and uh like two or three other people just to get an opinion as to you know quote unquote if i'm doing this right so to speak as an indie artist and um i felt that those were my strongest i have seven songs recorded and so our plan is to release an ep in late january or early february of 2023 we're finishing up shooting the artwork for it and the song that I sent you, it's called Back in the Kingdom, which is that one with uh, that really trippy, like, bridge section. Yeah. Halfway through it. That's going to be its own single. Yeah. And um, Pushing Me Away, we're thinking, is going to be, like, the lead-on. I think that's mm-hmm. what you guys call it. Like, yeah. The lead-on single, the teaser, so to speak. Yeah. Leading up to the release. Mm-hmm. Are you going to record, uh, are you going to do any videos around any of them? So we do, we actually shot an in-studio video for Back in the Kingdom. And then we did a cover of Cheap Trick. We did I Want You to Want Me. And I hired a band out of Boston where we were recording to kind of come in and act like we were all jamming together. And yeah. so we shot that. And that'll just be like a, like a bonus track, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really cool. And so uh, you're you're not on a label. You're distributing this yourself. You're mm-hmm. uh, taking on. Uh, who do you use for, you know, who are you using for publicity? Or are you doing uh, that house as yeah, well? I'm just doing that for now uh, on my own. We're trying to. There are some people out of L.A. that we've gotten contact with, but it's like. Eight thousand dollars a month. Oh, yeah. For like proper publicity. And I'm like, yeah. whoa. Yeah. yeah, that's that's next level. So we're working towards that. <laughs> right, right. 
Right. Yeah. Well, you know, people don't realize how much stuff costs, you know, how yeah. much stuff costs. And then they want to turn around and pay a band, you know, $500 to play a night, you know, and mm-hmm. you got all that money invested in gear and time and practice and what have you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But you, you find out, you're going to find out just like everybody else does. There comes a time where you're just going to have to bite the, the bullet, you oh, know? Yeah. You know, For in sure. order in order to get there, but uh, you seem to be making all the right connections. I mean, you've had some music produced by Frank Hannon, correct? Yeah, you know, yeah, and, that was amazing. You know, and so you've jammed with him, and you've jammed with Bonamassa, and you've jammed with Jared, and probably a handful of others. And so uh, you're doing it right. I mean, you're kind of, you know, I I don't want to bring a, a a correlation, you know, or or compare you. And that, but you you seem to be following in the same footsteps of somebody like Kenny Wayne Shepherd or Johnny Lang or Joe Bob. Oh yeah, yeah. I've reached out to Kenny, well, not him directly, but his management many times when they've announced a tour. And so what I've what I've come to learn um, growing up, so to speak, in this business, is once the tour is announced, the tour is like finalized, like they have everything yeah. scheduled. And so there's a local venue that he always plays and I always hit them up and they're like, Hey man, you know, thank you. But it's, we've already got our tours, you know, schedule ironed out, but please hit us up on the off season. And, um, you know, maybe we'll, we'll arrange something and Noah's vocals. Oh Mm -hmm. man. Yeah. Like him, him and Paul Rogers is what I'm trying to aspire to be vocally. It's just the soul, man. Yeah. Both of them are really great. But you seem to be following that path, you know, and so uh, you got to surround. It's all about networking and surrounding yourself with the right people in that, because mm-hmm. if you do that, well, then, you know, and if you do that and you got talent and you got good music, then it's just a matter of time. You know, it's yeah. just a matter of time in that. And, uh, you know, and, and people don't realize that you can you can have a successful career in music and never be, you know, a Joe Bonamassa household name, Told right? You. I mean, you can make a very good living doing what you love to do and never be at that level. And, and it's cool regardless, because, you know, it's really about the love and the passion of, of playing the music, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. There was a woman uh, that we came across. I can't remember her name, but she was making, this is well before COVID because we were trying to figure out, at the time what my next step should be either you know try and get a actual lineup and get young kids and all that stuff or continue the path that i've been going which is more a bon massa slash kenny win shepherd like you never know who's going to be at the show you know mm-hmm. what i mean as far as the back line of players and um we came across this woman who she's only done albums and at the time she was making six figures a, a year through online concerts and like streams from Spotify and merch Mm -hmm. sales and all this stuff. And so going off of what you were saying, she, you know, she could walk out into a crowd or go to her local, whatever, and nobody would have any idea that she is who she is. Yeah. You know? Yeah. She's, she's actually got it made. (laughs) Yeah. That's good. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, once again, it just goes back to, you know, your heart for the music and, 
being in it for the right reasons, you know, oh, because yeah. everybody, was... <laughs> everybody says, if you're in this for money, you you're in it for you're the, the wrong. wrong oh my God. You're in the wrong business, dude. There's yeah. so many other things that are like, right. Way, way less, you know, time consuming that would yield a better quote unquote return of interest. Right. Or a return on investment, but it's the love of music. That's, that's yeah. why I'm doing it. It's not to become, you know, yeah. the next billionaire. Well, the thing that's really the thing that I I like is the fact that you know when it comes to your age, if you don't mind me saying this, is that you have what I would consider you know really good musical taste. In other words, you know the type of music that you're playing, the style of music that you play, the stuff that you gravitate to. There's not a whole lot of people in their twenties gravitating towards that. You know what I mean? Everything's oh, yeah. Drake and Taylor Swift and all this other kind of stuff, which is okay. But when you see a young guy come around, that's really into what a lot of us would say is, you know, legendary music, really, you know, cool stuff. You know, it's like, you can't help, but, you know, take notice of that. Yeah. Thanks, man. And Good it's for you. The, the one thing that is sort of disappointing with this generation is the fact that you know most of my friends have no idea who bb king is most of my friends don't know who albert or freddie king is or stevie or anybody who like the main foundation for most of what today's music is based on yeah you know even rock and roll and chuck berry and all that stuff and yeah. then they flip the coin on me and they're like oh well you know who tupac is i'm like I've heard the name like once and they're like, well, <laughs> what about, what about Snoop Dogg? And I'm like, well, everybody knows who Snoop Dogg is. And then they quiz right. me on like 30 other people. And I'm like, I have no idea. So then they play it for me and I'm like, wow, that was special. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I, I don't want to go down that hole, but no, no. And no disrespect to those artists. Right. Like, you know, right. everybody there's, there's an audience for everything, like literally everything. Yeah, and there is. That's just that's just not my cup of tea, you know. There is. But I, I personally enjoy it. That's one of the things, you know, I've noticed, you know, in doing this show over the last, you know, three seasons going into four is that there's there really are a lot of young bands out there now that are trying to make a name for themselves, whether it's in what would be considered the new classic rock or whether it's blues rock or whether it's some sort of, you know, country rock or whatever it is. And it's really refreshing, you know, to see that, you know, because although I, I like the Rolling Stones, you know, I like the idea of somebody like you coming along and taking what was done then and then making something new out of it. Right. You know, I, I really like the idea of that because it's, it's like, you know, it's kind of like keeping it all alive to some degree. Yeah, I, I think musically history is is somewhat repeating itself because, you know, like the Dirty Honeys, Mammoth, mm -hmm. Greta Van Fleet are the main people right now that are in the musical spotlight. And it's straight up like you're going back to the 70s. And yeah, I love it. And there's a cat that I that I've had the pleasure of talking to uh, once or twice in person. His name is Aaron Jones. Do you know who he is? No. Oh, you would love him. He's out of Seattle and he's just killing it. He he actually, speaking of the Stones, he ended the last few dates of 
of one of the recent tours with them. He really? was the opening act. Yeah. Hmm. That's pretty cool. You know, I know that I know the Stones used to pick up local bands. Mm -hmm. And and then uh, there was a, a period of time where they had another band that I know out of Pittsburgh called the Ghost Hounds. They were the opening act for the Stones on a lot of their shows. And I probably shouldn't say this, but I will. It's probably because, you know, one of the guys in the band is a billionaire. <laughs> you know, he, yeah, he, he, sometimes he works. Might have might have bought his way onto that tour. I don't know. I'm just uh, I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, they used to always pick up local bands and that. My I actually know their bass player really well. Munch is actually oh, Daryl's cool. from Chicago, and I've played with Daryl a lot of times back in the '90s and stuff right mm -hmm. before he went on tour because he, he was touring with peter gabriel and madonna oh, wow. and those people back then and stuff yeah and he's a heavy cat you know real heavy cat and then he got that call and that's all he's done ever since oh then. well i mean you're not gonna say no <laughs> you know <laughs> i don't know you'd be surprised some people might you know yeah i'd have to think about it because yeah. as much as i love the stones there's just so many times i can hear wild horses you know right 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 so let me ask you this then uh, uh since you said that when you do a show you know like let's say you put on a string of shows you got 15 dates are all 15 dates the same are you playing the same songs you know doing the same thing or is each one different well that honestly depends on who i'm playing with because i, I at this time i have three drummers that i can call on and I have my main bass player for the most part, and I have two subs as well. So, like, for instance, we just did a bar show for my, my drummer's sister. She just turned 60. And uh, he wanted to do Ain't That a Shame by Cheap Trick, the Budokan version. Yeah. And I was leading them on. I was like, yeah, you know, I don't really think I have time to learn that and stuff. And then I, was, and then I turned around. And I was like, hey, are you ready? He's like, for what? And then I just started. I was like, you made me cry. <laughs> and he's like, what? I thought, I didn't learn it. I was like, what do you mean you didn't learn it? You asked me to learn it. He's like, but you told me you weren't. And so spontaneous <laughs> things like that happen. And yeah. uh, we did a show earlier in December, and we did some Trans-Siberian Orchestra. And so I try and keep it as fresh as I can, depending yeah. on how many – the proximity of the shows yeah. if they're back to back then you know it's going to be the same set you hear something crazy last last year last tour for government mule they did 450 songs uh through the course of that tour each each wow. single show was different oh my yeah Dude, that's nuts yeah it's crazy i love it i personally love that idea simply because it's like whenever you show up to a show you're getting an actual real live experience that you wouldn't have got if you saw me last night or saw you the night before right i really love the idea of that personally myself i mean look look what it did for the grateful dead i mean oh yeah bonamassa <laughs> actually he did that he when that. he was breaking he did what was it three it was either two shows or three shows three different lineups and three different sets and they were all three hour shows yeah i like, 
I saw him uh, in 2019. I saw him six times. Wow. And out of those six, I mean, out of those six times, four of those shows were completely different, different lineup of people. I mean, some of the same people, but you know, like one yeah, show yeah. was just a four piece. One show had the whole band, you know, with horns, you know what I mean? And that, that's why I went to so many different shows mm-hmm. was because I wanted to see, you know, what's next. What's he yeah. going to do next? You know, but then after six shows and I, and I'm, I'm a fan of Joe's of course, but, uh, but after six shows, I was like, okay, I think I've seen enough. Yeah. <laughs> you know, It's like, I'm done, yeah. you know? So, uh, but anyway, I'll tell you what, Austin, man, it's been great talking to you and I look forward to, to meeting you and uh, getting the opportunity to, you know, play a little bit together. It's going to be fun, man. Oh yeah. Thank you again for that invite. I, I was definitely not expecting that. Yeah. Well, sure. well, you're, you're, you know what? It's like when I was young, I had this guy, his name was Buddy Scott in Chicago and he had a band called Buddy Scott and the rib tips. He was, uh, he was a legend in the city of Chicago and, uh, Buddy took, you know, Buddy was really kind and generous to me and he invited me to everything and took me everywhere and did all that kind of stuff. And I think that's one of the things that's missing in music is that kind of, you know, uh, investing in other people thing, because, you know, people, when they're young, you know, you look at, you know, we'll mention Kenny Wayne Shepherd, you know, people like that, they have somebody that's doing that with them, but do they do, but do they do that themselves now? I mean, I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I, I think that regardless of where you are and what your position, you know, where you are in, in the food chain, when it comes to music, mm-hmm. I think that you should always be investing in, in younger people in the younger generation and, and in other oh, people. Totally. Yeah. And so that's why I did it. I thought, well, you know what, it would be cool to have you, you, you know, it, it'd be a cool opportunity for you and for us all together in that. And it's just a way of me, you know, you know, not that I have anything to give or invest, but yeah. it's the way of me doing my part to say, you know, I think you're worth standing on this stage. So let's do it. You know? <laughs> well, thank you again. <laughs> it's, it's a real honor. Yeah. Well, I don't know about that, but <laughs> I appreciate it. I really do. And I look forward to you coming and uh, until then, Austin, man, keep in touch and uh, i wish you all the best what's your what's your website address too because i know i didn't bring it up my website is my name austin mo and then dot com there you go austinmo.com for everybody out there you know you want to go to his website you want to check this cat out because it's a great player he's going to be a name one of these days i really believe that and so uh so check him out austin thank you so much man thank you for having me yeah i'll talk to you in january All right. See you then. All right, man. Later. Bye. Well, I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Austin. I want to thank Austin for participating in this special episode. We hope that if you're in the area, you'll come out Saturday night, this Saturday, January 28th, to the Looney Bin in Bradley, Illinois. Show starts at 7. It's the Jimmy Warren and Friends All-Star Jam. And then the very next day at the Kankakee County Fairgrounds, which is in the same area in Kankakee, Illinois, the Illinois Guitar and Gear Expo will take place. It's a buy-sell trade show. We've got clinics going on through the day. And you can come out and meet some great players like Austin, Jared James Nichols, Steve Scorfina from ARIO, Chuck Wentler from Blacktop Mojo, Mike Moserat from 
the In Theory Band, and more. It's going to be a great show. Uh, if you want more information on the show, go to IllinoisGuitarExpo.com. Make sure you subscribe to Guitar Talk at GuitarTalkOfficial.com. Subscribe to GTTV so you get all the unedited episodes of Guitar Talk going forward. Until next week when my guest is Frank Hannon from Tesla, <laughs> I'm Jimmy Warren. Thank you so much for tuning in. Yeah.